see the other challenge I had, see for the outside looking in, you would have said that, that, that guy's probably got everything you would expect for a guy that's in his mid-twenties. I've got the job, I've got the flat in London, I've got the cars, I've got all this stuff going for me. Yet inside I'm broken. Hello, I'm Sean McDonald. You're listening to Blethered and my guest is Danny Turner. Danny's the owner of Soul Suites in East Kilbride, which is a space that offers cold water immersion and infrared saunas, which when used together is commonly known as contrast therapy. We do have a wee laugh at the self-appointed experts who climb a hill in Scotland, have a nice bath out the back garden, and then all of a sudden they're lecturing you on how to solve all your problems and your worries. But on a serious note, we do have a proper chat about it, because it's really interesting. What are the benefits? What does it do for your body and mind? How does it make you feel? Why does it make you feel that way? Is it a passing trend that will eventually go away? Or is it a valuable practice that's worth keeping? And you'll also hear Danny explain in a lot of detail how his own personal challenges led to the eventual creation of the business. He speaks with an articulacy and an eloquence that only really comes from somebody who, in my opinion, is speaking honestly and without ulterior motive. He expresses himself genuinely with a lot of introspection and a palpable sense of personal responsibility that I think will serve as valuable encouragement and guidance for anybody who maybe feels the way that he once did. It gets a wee bit intense at points, so I just want to let you know that there are some discussions of suicide so that you can decide for yourself whether or not you want to keep listening. I'm personally not a fan of sob stories, and I know that's a phraseology that might touch a nerve with some people, but I'm being honest. What I do love are real stories from real people, and especially ones with a positive final note. That's what I always try my best to create, and I think that's what this is. So enjoy your drive, enjoy your walk with the dog, or wherever else you might be listening, and thank you for joining us. I always enjoy your company. Cheers. There's a flagrant disrespect to anybody else that's invited me anywhere, because I get invited to stuff all the time. But Soul Suites is the best, for me, the best of the year. How? Well, tell me what Soul Suites is, if you don't mind. Aye, um, and thanks for the kind words. So Soul Suites is a, a health and wellbeing facility up in East Kilbride, and, and we practice contrast therapy. And contrast therapy is the, um, the practice of combining heat exposure mm-hmm. with cold exposure. So we do heat exposure using infrared sauna, and then we use cold exposure using, using our ice baths. Um, you combine those two things together, there's a, a, a massive uh, benefit, both mm. physical and mental. I'd read that, I was kind of aware of that, the, of that contrast, and I was saying to my pal, and he wasn't doubting it at all, but he was saying, oh, that's really strange to me, because this is Jamie, who gets a mention on every single podcast, I must start fucking charging him. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he he works like on boats and ships and stuff, so they do like training or getting out of helicopters that fall in and he said one of the things that they were always told was that going from hot to cold too quickly can, like if you've got an underlying heart condition or something, because I think that might be something that people might go, actually, you're not supposed to do that. What is the, kind of, what is the story there? Aye, so, so absolutely absolutely correct, right? If you've got underlying heart conditions, um, any health conditions really, we, we do recommend that you get it checked by a doctor mm. before you come. So we're no medical professionals and and therefore, we don't encourage people 
um, to come down to try and make a buck out of people. It's serious stuff that we're doing. It's it's, uh, it's quite extreme. So, aye, heart conditions, blood pressure challenges, um, if you've re- recently been through any sort of cancer treatment, stuff like that, it's not the thing you want to be doing unless you've spoken to a doctor. It's um, I, I loved it. The infrared sauna is... We'll, we'll kind of get further into detail f- as we go, as we kind of then tell this story. So for anybody that's impatient to kind of know the ins and outs and the benefits and, and what it feels like, we will get there. Um, but the one thing I will say is having done it, sat in the sauna, absolutely roasting in, in the, the water, it was it was incredible. And it's it's piqued my interest massively. Like even on the way back, we had, give her a mention, Jen Agnew sent me a message wanting to know about it. Couple of other people, pals with Chev, just everybody going. So what's what's the story? And as I left, I was saying, by the way, that was fucking inc- that was incredible. Like, that's me. I'm like I'm hooked on it. So I now want us to tell the story of how you ended up opening this place for the first time. So we have to do the whole fucking cliche, but chronology. So growing up, are you from East Kilbride? No, I'm originally from, well, I've, I've dotted about all over Glasgow, um, part of my upbringing really. I was initially Govan Hill, then Castlemilk, then Crawford, and then eventually made my way up to East Kilbride, so I've, I've been dotted about. Um, I spent the first part of my life uh, in Govan Hill, went to a primary school there, moved to, to Castlemilk, Crawford, went to a primary school there, went to East Kilbride. So I've been to four or five different primary schools, mm. um, which is unusual in itself when you say that. Uh, it is, eh? Not a lot of stability. And and something like thirteen different houses by the time by the time I moved out uh, of my parents' house, and that's been and we'll touch on that a wee bit more as we get into my story. So I live in East Kilbride now. I've lived there for quite a while. It's the first place really that I've been able to call home because mm-hmm. I've lived there for quite a while. Um, went to secondary school up there, and I still live there with my, my fiance and my, my young daughter who's just turned one. So I have not always been an East Kilbride boy. Mm. What was a f- a, there's two parts of me right? There's the angel and the devil. The angels that. Ask, that's really interesting, and the devil's like, don't, there's obviously a bit of a fucking story there. I look at, uh, our upbringing wasn't, wasn't terrible, right, we'd, we'd, we'd um, by, by West of Scotland standards, not a, not a terrible upbringing, but um, when parents split up and, and children are caught in the crossfire mm. and the instability that um, that my parents had in their life at the time, we were all over the place, so um, out of respect to them, I'm not going to get too much, but y- you're absolutely right, it was... Um, you know, we were sometimes we were spending six months to a year in the house, and then we were out somewhere else, and it was it was total geography changes all the time. Mm. Um, we, we lived a relatively sheltered life from from you know the reasons why we were moving weren't they always clear to us, and that Aye. was good. We were kept sort of distant from it all, but it was always it always felt a bit a bit strange, right? It's like children. Not that I'm any sort of child behavioural expert or anything, but like kids need structure, don't they? And they need like a sort of continuous sameness because even it's it's easy for me and you to go well move from one area or one street to another but for a kid that means well you, the people you're surrounded with what things look like even your wee pals like it's very hard to kind of settle do you think oh well, I mean my opinion is anyway that a lot of issues that you can have in later life or even things you might not realise are issues you can always kind of trace back to how the child in you was impacted do you have you felt the same? Completely, completely. So uh, just take an example, right? So through all of the work that I've done in myself over the last few years, one of the things I've realised is I've been totally consumed by what other people think about me since I was a really young age. So it was more important to me that you liked me than it was me telling the truth. Mm. So um, 
And when you consider that as a child who moved about a lot, it kind of makes sense. I was always moving and trying to fit in with, with, with different groups of people. I was always trying to be a version of me for somebody and then a different version for somebody else. Um, and that definitely had an impact as I've grown mm. up. It definitely had an impact. There's some, I had a pal who kind of the same. He really rubbed people up the wrong way. We, we kind of no longer in. It's not somebody I speak to. Not a malice or anything, it's just one of those things. And uh, I kind of recognised that in him as well. And any time anybody tries to give him a bit of grief, I'm trying to go like, look, I can't give you somebody's fucking life story in five minutes, but hmm. there's always kind of reason behind a lot of behaviours, isn't there? Aye, there is, and, and obviously, and the, the world that we live in now, we're all so quick to judge, um, and we don't really truly know what's going on for people. And, you know, before before I was the man that I am today, I was a child and everybody was the same, and we've had their experiences and the shapers and the environment that that were that we're exposed to when we're young largely affects the way we we then view the world as we get older. Mm. That's that's just fact. Aye, absolutely. Because I always have like a really profound respect for people that do then recognise failings or not not even failings, right? But just kind of where things have shaped them, where it might be holding them back a wee bit, or, or sort of being a wee bit detrimental towards them. But I've learned. While it's cool, yeah, respect people and for for doing that. Don't immediately write people off that haven't done it because they maybe mm. just haven't got to that point of of realizing what needs to change, that there is an issue, or, or even how to begin to to think about that. Have you ever done like therapy or anything? I have. Um, so we'll get into it in a bit more detail, a bit a bit more in story. But I recognised that that something wasn't quite right with me as I was getting through my twenties. Um, and the behaviours and, and my actions, the way I was treating people, the way I was treating myself, and I went to therapy. But the problem I had was I was fundamentally incapable of being honest. So I'm sitting in front of therapists and doctors, and I'm telling them what they what I think they want to hear. Um, because the reality is that if, if I lift the lid on the way I'm living my life, it mm. reflects on me, and I'm somebody who cares a lot about what people think. Right. So, um, so I just lied to them. And then I wondered at the end why did, why life didn't get any better. Was was it run about this time then that you've because we talked about it the other night have gone heavy into you know going away to football you know the supporters buses and kind of everything then that goes with that you know as as fun as it can be it's it can become a bit of a powder keg. It can listen. The first thing I'll say is some of the 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 times I've had in supporters buses going to follow my team home and away have been the best the best times in my life. And there's a lot of them that, you know, I just wouldn't change it. It, it. it was the way it was and I enjoyed it at the time. But uh, there came a point in my life that I went past that that line. I overstepped the mm. mark. I don't know when that happened. I don't necessarily need to yeah. know when that happened, but it happened. And and that became a real source of pain for me and, and the people around about me and my family. Because you, you've mentioned before that it's kind of like playing a character as if there's an expectation. This is the guy that I'm going to be. So then every time... You step into that environment, you are then that guy. Absolutely. So it be, it just became. I was one of the people on the supporters bus that was that was the loudest. I was always the the one that was getting on it the most. It became a thing. So that was a character that I, that I got mm. to play. Took me away from, took me away from me essentially. Because right. the, the fundamental problem that I've got is with myself. So I get to go on the bus and play a new character. It's you know it's funny that as well because. It's a quite a natural thing in it, depending on what environment or who you're surrounded with. We do all have different sort of facets of our personality that kinda come to the fore. Like there are certain people that when I meet up with them, all we talk about is politics. Even though in the back of my mind I want to talk about what happened with Celtic or yeah. you know, it could be kinda anything. And 
while I think to hear myself a slight compliment, I'm always very much myself. There are times as well, but when I then go into that environment and I think, am I pushing this aspect of my personality or, or how I want to be portrayed? And and sometimes, like, God, even like working in London, you go to one desk and you'll be speaking in a certain way and then you go to another desk and all of a sudden you're another and it's kind of trying to be like, hold on a minute, like who am who am I fundamentally? Who am I? That that's exact that's exactly the question and, and the point you raised there about London it, it so part of my day job requires a lot of travel down to down to London and I'm two distinct characters. Uh, loads of people are when they're at work. So I don't Aye. think that's uncommon, right? You've got totally. you, people slag the, the old work the work voice. <laughs> I mean we've all got one. But um but it's not just the voice that changes, it's everything. That's how we conduct ourselves, wow. it's how what we say, it's 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 almost scared for the mask to drop. Because if right. they find out who I really am, they'll see that I'm just I'm just a dafty for, for Glasgow. Do you know? Did so? See, we're talking about like getting on it and stuff, and playing a character and being on the supporters' bus and all that kind of thing. Did that? I take it. Did that come to come to a head? And you just thought I need to right deal with us? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, there's a couple of red flags looking back that I didn't recognise at the time. I didn't see them as red flags at the time, but. Um, but Fridays were becoming Fridays, Saturdays, and then, and then it was becoming Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, and it was becoming three-day benders, and it was becoming no going home, no keeping in contact with people. It was becoming no eating. It was it was all that stuff, and it was and then eventually it became if Celtic were playing midweek for Champions League nights, it would be the Wednesday night as well, mm. and, and and so um, there came a point where there was had a time where I ended up in Hermia's hospital for six days because. I didn't know that I had a stomach ulcer. Oh, Jesus. I didn't know I had it. And I went on a, th- a three-day bender and uh, I came out the other side of it with, with black stuff pouring out my body. Went up to... Um, I actually drove myself to the uh, to the doctors, told them that I was faint and that I'd, I'd fell in the bathroom. Um, he sent me straight up to the hospital in an ambulance. I had to leave my car at the doctor's and uh, it turns out I had a stomach ulcer and it burst. Oh, and what man. was pouring out my body was blood. And that was lifestyle-driven. So that was totally lifestyle driven. It was the the way I was living my life, the, the the drink that I was consuming, the other stuff I was putting in my body at the weekends, um, and so you would have thought for any normal sane person that after that episode it would have been enough to say, right, enough's enough. Mm. Like you are, but it wasn't for me. It was like I think I'm, I think I stayed off it for maybe the week. So I think I get out of the hospital and and whatever the the Friday. Managed to to stay off at that weekend. Convinced everybody that that was me off it. Believed it myself, by the way. And then the following weekend, it was back out. Supporters bus, football, another weekend of of carnage, and um, that's not logical, sane behaviour. Mm. That is, there's something not quite right with the thought process that leads me to believing that the best thing that I can be doing the following weekend is to go and do that. Fast forward another couple of years. The suicidal thoughts. So I was living with suicidal thoughts for for years, daily, consuming me, to the point that I had I had often considered what the best way to go would be. So in my mind, the easiest way for me to go was in front of a train, because my best thinking at that point was it'll be quick, it'll be over and done, and actually, hopefully, they'll not be able to find my body because it'll be because it'll be in bits. And I went down one morning to Elon Broadway Station down in London because no. um, I was going out to see a client out in Maidenhead. And I knew that the half-five train in the morning went right through that platform because it was a fast train. 
and my thinking that night and that morning, I never slept that night. It was that was the morning. Do you know that was where I was? I'm going in front of that train, the half five train. Um, so I went down to the platform for the train arriving. My, I can remember every sensation I was feeling. So I remember my, like, totally sweating. I remember anxiety, just feeling sick, f- feeling that I was going to collapse. And and when the train came and went, I just never, I never went in front of it. Now, to some people, that's uh, you know. It's, God was watching it for you, for some people. For me, it's maybe I just was too scared to, to throw myself in front of a train. Whatever way, I'm glad, obviously, the day that, that it never happened. But Aye. even that wasn't enough, Sean. So I was, even after that episode, so what happened is I got on the train, went to work, and I went into the office. Nobody in the office had any idea that an hour before that I was going in front of a train. Mm-hmm. So, and it's difficult to speak about stuff like this, not because it brings up emotion. We have, I'm now in a place where I've spoken about it that many times that, it doesn't really bring up any emotion, but I've got family. I've got two sisters. I've got a dad, a mum. I've got a partner. My fiance. I've got a one-year-old daughter who's, who's going to learn about this at some point in her life. Mm. So when I talk about it, it's difficult because, especially in an episode of a podcast, they're probably going to hear it. Aye. And it can't be easy for them to hear it. So when it's difficult, it's not difficult for me really anymore. It's difficult for them. See, hearing you say that, mate, that was a really... Boy, it's quite... I think it's quite not difficult. It's it's jarring. It kind of makes you go whoa. It like just knocks you sideways a wee bit. I mean, see you saying about making the decision, like just still getting on it, and even after that week or whatever. Any ra- if you're looking at it from a rational perspective or sort of logically, you'd go, well, there was a there was a physical illness that had to be dealt with. There was black stuff coming out of you, but that's actually just getting on it and then being that, oh, it's symptomatic of these kind of deep-rooted issues. And it's like just stopping drinking and whatever else isn't enough. That's just dealing with one symptom when it's obviously at the core point for you to get to that that stage where I know exactly I go through Elaine Broadway all the time as well. Um, so I, I can like picture it, which made it seem even more yeah. re- just real. Aye? Yeah. I can, I can imagine, imagine exactly where you were. And not doing it. I mean, do you think, realistically, because I mean, maybe it's difficult, do you think you were close or was it just that you were overcome with the fear? It's it's difficult to say, isn't it? Um, it's difficult to say. I don't know whether I, whether, um, whether I would have ever carried through with it. I'm fortunate to be alive the day, though. I know. That, that's, that's, what I, that's what I believe because in that split second... My life was in the balance, genuinely. So that that time that I felt like that in front of that train, I never went in front of it. Mm. I don't know what would have happened the next time. So and there would and and listen, there, there, there was a next time, no necessarily standing on a train track uh. waiting to go, but the suicidal thoughts continued to come back. And um, and who knows? I, my belief is that if I didn't go and get the help that I needed to get and straighten myself out and take responsibility for myself. Mm-hmm. I doubt whether I would be here today, whether that was through through taking my own life or or just the you know what it's like the behaviour that the, the way I live my life when I am on these on these crazy benders it's like Aye. there's nothing healthy about that something's no. going to catch you at some point. God, and then you saying you've been in the office as well because remember we were saying the other night and I was like I cringe when people say hashtag be kind it's okay <laughs> not to be okay you're like oh, fuck off it's so so disingenuous and so hollow but. 
that that was I, I think even the person listening will think the same were you saying you're in the office and not nobody knowing it really does I don't want to state the obvious here but it really does show you you do not know what's happening in somebody's life how far a wee bit of kindness or um, sort of closeness or whatever can, can go for somebody can go well absolutely and, I, and it comes to the, the just not being able to be honest again right so when I'm in that office and it's another version of me that's right. in the office. So I'm presenting this character in the office. So when I walk through the doors, the mask is back up. Right. Um, and, and nobody's got a clue. And you just honestly, for me, my outlook in life has changed a lot because of the work that I've done. But people are going through serious, serious shit. Mm. And people that are, you know, you're in traffic. Sometimes I find myself. One of my one of my defects of character is I'm terrible on the road, right? So I, I often get road rage. <laughs> me too. And it's like, <laughs> and and I remember when it all started to change for me. And me and my fiance, so I've always been bad for road rage. And me and my fiance were driving to Silverburn, and there was a there was a roundabout, and um and a guy came flying right out the outside of us and cut us off, and probably missed us by uh, by inches. And my reaction that day was very, very different to the way my reaction used to be. Mm. So I, I kind of just, I was like, right, we're safe. Don't worry about it. I never reacted uh, outwards. And she sort of turned and looked at me. She was like, you all right? <laughs> because she was expecting me to go off my all lid. Right. And and um, and eventually what I was able to, to reason with was the guy might be in a rush because he's going to see a member of his family that's no well. Maybe he needs to go and pick his kids up for school. Maybe there's 15 reasons why he might have had to cut us off. Maybe he's just a dick. All of the things could be one of the things, but does it matter? Aye, and it's my reaction to life that's the problem, really. It's no, it's not about him. Aye, oh, it's very profound. I need to borrow for that because I've still no mastered that. I just go off my nut with people. <laughs> <laughs> it just annoys me. Just annoys me. But that's a really great way of looking at it. It's, you, you never know. The because um, as well, you know, you're saying people are living with. I think that's what you said. There, people are living with that those type of thoughts and and that existence every day, and that is is. You, I'm sure there'll be any number of people listening who'll be going, fuck, that's me. And it's not so much, right, okay, I need to get off it, I need to have a few quiet weekends. And that's kind of just a symptom of the deeper problem. And it's maybe reflecting, and, and it's not easy to kind of be introspective, is it? And to to look at yourself and to ask those questions. It's uncomfortable, it's deeply uncomfortable. It's very easy to, you know, I don't want to sound like somebody who's like, pontificating to everybody and tell them this is how it is and you need to get off it and have a wee ice bath and climb a Monroe and that'll be you <laughs> and all will be fine I don't mean that I, yeah. but it's it's difficult it's uncomfortable and I get it like for, I, I, I'm similar in the sense of if things aren't going well for me if they're not going right or if I'm under pressure I, I really don't do it as often now but I did when I was younger I'd be like, I have to you literally want to alter your mental state and switch off and yep. just, I don't want to think about it. I just want to have fun, a good time. And it's all great fun for the four or five hours, six hours that you're out, or 24 hours, depending on how your, your night's gone. But it'll then, what happens is you go back to square one, but you're also 10 steps back because your baseline of happiness is, has been obliterated. In it. You're, you're on a, you've got a hangover, you're on a come down. Yep. You've got the general anxiety. And then it's just repeat on a loop until you kind of enter. Boss is here! Military parents never miss a beat, and neither does the Johns Hopkins U.S. Family Health Plan. Built for every warrior in your family, with more than 40 years of service to military families, TRICARE Prime Benefits plus exclusive extras. Learn more at warriorsathome.com. Dropped it and say, right, what actually have I got to kind of deal with? 
Um, you said there was there was other points where you got to maybe came close. Yeah. Does that does that cycle repeat for you until you kind of think right? I'm I'm going to kind of interrupt this pattern here. It does. It, it does. So there's there's um, the behaviour continues and and actually it gets progressively worse. So um, even though the amounts that I was drinking wasn't necessarily increasing, my behaviour when I was drinking was getting worse. The way I would feel at the other side of it was getting worse. It got progressively worse, and there's just times. There's times when genuinely I'm I've got. See the other challenge I had. See for the outside looking in, you would have said that that guy's probably got everything you would expect for a guy that's in his mid twenties. I've got the job, I've got the flat in London, I've got the cars, I've got all this stuff going for me. And so for the outside looking in, you would you would just never have. Yeah, inside I'm broken. Aye. I'm completely done, and it's getting worse and worse over time. And I'm feeling more and more worthless. The only way I can describe it is that I'm that I'm walking down a narrow road it's getting narrower and narrower and I'm running out of room and there's nowhere else really to go so it was kind of beating into a point of submission if I'm being honest there was there was nowhere else for me to go it was either it was either accept that, that you're probably going to end up taking your own life or, or you'll die at some point or mm. you live a miserable life for the, for as long as you've got for you've got a life or you can try and get a bit of help that was all that I was left with there wasn't mm. a, there was no way that I was going to be able to do this myself so I needed to get help I, I couldn't. There's no way I could have overcome this myself, um, so I had to reach out and get help. So it got worse and worse until finally it sort of it sort of cracked, and it was it's come up three years ago. So it was three years ago I had my I had my last drink, and um, there was an episode we had over over Christmas in my fiance's family's house where I think I drank like two bottles of Mad Dog or something at Christmas <sighs> for no reason, just other than. Other than that's just what I done, um, and ended up being really, really cheeky to your mum, who's done nothing but try to help us all the years and support uh, yeah. us, and being and just they, they've got a, a really close family. And at Christmas, I've I've had a right good go at ruining it for them. Um, and I remember waking up the, the sort of the day after that and just not being able to stop crying. So as as a guy for the west of Scotland now, I can I can openly admit that I'm fine with crying. Right, it doesn't happen often, but when it does, I'm I'm fine with it. See that day that was uncontrollable. And, it, and something was happening inside me. I could feel that I was just done. I remember feeling that I can't, this can't continue. And if I think about all the behaviours, all the years, that last episode was, wasn't was really that bad. I just said some stuff to her that I shouldn't have said and, and sort of ruined the last couple of hours of the night, right? Told her a proud English shit. <laughs> <laughs> I told her exactly what I thought. Um, so it wasn't really that bad. But I, I think it was... I think I was just beating into submission, Sean. I think it was just right. times up, and I knew it. And it was like I actually knew a couple of boys, um, ironically from the football, who had managed to, to uh, who who drank like me and who, who got up to the same sort of stuff I got up to, and had managed to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, "Well, how did you do it?" It's funny that, isn't it? See when you when you're saying other people, because you always think as well when you're in that, that crowd and environment, and you're like, "Oh, I'm the only one that's not enjoying this." I was a bit fucked, but. It's actually a lot of people congregating with similar issues. we going, this is a space where we can all do this same thing and pretend it's all hunky-dory. And by the way, this is something you said on Monday where I was like, oh, it's so bang on. Not everybody's got a problem with drinking drugs. No. People people can can take, uh, can take drink and take drugs and I don't be fucked for a couple of days. People are like, are you talking about yourself, mate? Um, you'd be fucked for a couple of days, but overall, 
you're like, well, you know, you can kind of keep going, but for others, it is a case of it's a it's a crutch, and eventually, it's like a a crutch that is snapped at the bottom, and then, like you say, when you had the two bottles of Mad Dog, and then with Cheeky, Debbie, shouldn't have laughed, but what did you say? Is it? A- <laughs> um, the reality of it is, it was one of those ones that I can't remember what I said, right? And you know that feeling you get sometimes when you wake up and you just wake up immediately oh, knowing that you've done, you've said something. Yeah. And there's an atmosphere, just a general atmosphere in the room. So my fiance is lying there, and I'm like, I know, <laughs> looking at you, <laughs> I know, but and but she's obviously not saying a word to me. She's like, uh, I mean, let's be fair, the stuff that I put her through through this, yeah. uh, <laughs> I was on my last, I was on my last legs there as well. So to this day, I don't know exactly what I said, but um, it can't I don't, I don't want to know. Aye, do you know if it makes you feel any better? It, um, and we won't dwell on it but it can't have been that bad because if it was you would get pulled up with is that what you really think yeah. I can't believe you said that you need it just been sort of general cheek I think the saving grace um, why she didn't why she didn't get a hold of me um, after that was that it was at that point that I, that I then made a decision to go and change Aye. so so immediately had to start putting action in because um, there's no amount of standing in front of the mirror shouting affirmations is going to help you with this stuff. Well, that's it. Right? It needs to be action. It needs to be... And that's part of the problem with a... I mean, it is okay not to be okay. Right? Absolutely. Um, but see somebody who's struggling, just telling them it's okay not to, be, not to be okay. What do they do with that? Exactly. What are they supposed to do with that? Exactly. Thank you. And personal responsibility and action, those are the two main things. And it's, yeah, that those words, it's okay not to be okay, you're right, aye, of course it is, it doesn't make you a broken person. What's not okay, in a sense, is, is doing fuck all about it. Mm-hmm. The amount of, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to go in on anybody, and, and I'm not trying to go in on anybody, but I'm also allowed to give my opinion, and as somebody who consumes a lot of podcasts, has heard a lot of these conversations myself, I'm really finished, I'm, I'm done and I have been done with for years with sob stories with mm. no with no sort of outcome or no sort of well just a, a sob story of this happened and I feel really terrible I'm like aye I genuinely sympathise but also okay and mm-hmm. so what next mm-hmm. what are you offering here are, are you asking people to come in and wallow in misery with you the type of misery loves company type thing or are you actually are you taking steps? Are you trying to change it? And that's not me saying, okay, you feel terrible, right? Come on, into action, do something. But it's yep. like, okay, if it's just been years now, at the same at the same chat, you're offering nothing to anybody. It's action has to has to come into it at some point. Of course it is, and 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 you've you've already you can recognise it because you're you're able to say it. So you're able to say that that's how you're feeling. So you've already recognised it. So there's the starting point for MD is that you've recognised it. Um, I do get that it's hard for some people. So if I think about it, um, I'm able to sit here and, and and speak about this now, a few years down the line from from taking action and getting sober, right? Yeah. I lived my life like that for 10 years. So there was a period throughout there that I could have intercepted at any point and changed. Mm-hmm. I just had to be on the journey that I was on. As cheesy as that might sound, it's all about the journey. No, it's true. No, it is. I needed to endure the pain that I was going through. It obviously wasn't sore enough for me. Otherwise, it would have changed sooner. Mm. So I, I believe that the, you get a wee window of opportunity with these things that you that if if you've recognised it and you've got enough sort of desire that you can go and make a change. That's a really great point, by the way, about saying it isn't it wasn't sore enough because until it's sore enough, you won't treat the root cause. Like uh, and it's not a sort of trivialise 
this by comparison, but so I, I had um, a sore jaw for a few days. I was like, I must have been fucking clenching my jaw, and I never, I never really did anything. Just kind of left it. I was like, that's uncomfortable. Maybe about six or seven days went past. The pain was unbearable. I, was like, I need to fucking, I need to deal with this. And I looked, and I had an infection. Mm-hmm. I ran about my, my wisdom tooth, but it just hadn't hit full pain yet. I was able to kind of manage it, and then. It's only when it gets so painful that right, I need to treat the root cause. The root cause, a hundred percent. And and the way I, the way that I think about this now is the times that I had because tr- I had tried before to, to take him off the drink. Right, I'd tried it. I'd said I was going to do it, and I was never able to do it. See, when I was doing it for somebody else, so it wasn't sore enough for me. So I was trying to do it because my missus wanted me to do it. It was never going to work. See, when it got sore enough that I wanted to do it for me, not for anybody else. That's the point that it changed. Mm-hmm. So. No, everybody's like me, and I can't sit here and say that I know what's best for everybody, because I don't. I'm just a guy with my experience, right. and I've got no opinion on how other people live their lives. I've got mates that still get on it, and I still go out with them, and I'll be on the bus this weekend to go to the football, and there'll be no judgment in my part for how people are living their life. It's totally fine, but I think essentially you you need to want it for you if if you're going to make any sort of change, lasting change. Needs mm. to be Aye. needs to be for yourself. The uh, was it around about this time, and um, I'm actually really looking forward to us now discussing this the cold water therapy and stuff, and uh, those kind of how it's perceived and all that type of thing. And we'll pick up on the cliches and the people standing telling you I can solve all your problems. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> just go for a wee cold water swim, that's it, you'll yeah. be fixed right as right. It's kind of like the fucking sawdust sketch for chewing the fat. Yeah. Get up five minutes, be right as right. <laughs> um, how, how did you end up stumbling upon that? So through the process of, of getting better um, and recovering, there was a guy called Alan Syme, I'll give Alan a wee shout out, Alan Syme for No Limits Coaching. And he runs cold water therapy retreats. It's a bit of mindset work. He's a therapist as well. Mm. And it's a bit of mindset work. And um, and the boys had convinced me to go up with him. A couple of my mates convinced me to go up to this to this retreat. I was absolutely shit for it. I actually tried to get out of it in the morning of going. Um, because my car, I was meant to be going up there. My car broke down. And I, I said to the boys, look, sorry, can I make it? I really didn't want to go anyway. And that was my ticket out. And the boy's like, oh, no, don't worry about it, I'll come and pick you up. And I'm like, no, no, it's all right. <laughs> but they came down and picked me up and they took me away up north to this retreat. And on this retreat, I remember being terrified of getting into the water. I remember saying cold water therapy, I don't call it cold water therapy anymore, by the way, we'll get to that. But cold water therapy is a lot of nonsense. Um, the people that do it are dafties and um, all, all that stuff. See all the stuff that, that you hear from people. They convinced me to go and I went. And I just remember leaving that weekend so we were up there for two days of just getting into water every few hours different waterfalls up in Glencoe amazing scenery just loads of other people who some of them who haven't experienced any trauma in their life some of them who are a bit like me and just everybody together and and getting into the cold water and I just remember the rush that I got it was like a rush of pure emotion that I felt now I've never replicated that feeling from mm. that day so I think there was something that happened when I got in the water and some of the work that we were doing while we were away that, that brought that out but I remember that feeling and I, I was clinging on to that feeling for quite a while and then as I came back from that retreat I found myself 
doing it more often. Like you said, right? You had the feeling of being hooked and just mm. wanting to do it again. Aye. That's what I felt. And the more I done it, the more it reinforced. This stuff's good for you. It works. It's helping you as a tool. Um, so I was finding myself driving all over. I was going to Loch Lomond. We even rented a camper van one weekend. Went up to Sky and just threw ourselves in all the waterfalls and up in Sky. Yes. And it was just it was magic. Now, if you told me that four years ago, I would have laughed in your face. Do you know? But that's that's what I found myself doing, and it was helping. Um, and then it just one day it just clicked coming back because I've been on a, quite a few of those retreats, and it was clicked coming back for one of these retreats that I'm fed up having to drive to to a place outdoors to get into manky water to have to get changed before I get back in the car or get back in the car soaking. It's just no practical at all. And and I know that there was some people who were coming on the retreats who were sort of scared of open water. That's a real fear for some people is open water. Um, no sure what they're standing on, all of that stuff. And this thought came to my mind that there's a way that you can offer people to experience the benefit that you can get through this in an inside space that's a bit safer, cleaner, um, more comfortable. Very comfortable. The uh, see, like that's tr- the open water thing would scare me. It would. You hear people drowning that all the time. I know. You see people doing it in videos all the time and I always think, how do you know for definite that's safe? I don't like the thought, I don't know what I'm standing on. That does creep me out. But I wonder in the dirtiness, and I suppose there's an increase in not so much in Scotland, but in England, an increase in sewage and stuff and, and uh, just general water. But I wonder, see where you're saying like you're getting that rush, I wonder if there was just this sort of connection of, you know, like we're connected to was it the, well, material things and comfort mm-hmm. and everything's very sanitised and predictable there must be something psychological about feeling I'm cringing that I'm about to say these words at one with nature mm-hmm. but it's just you're like what like I don't know like maybe it, it activates some carnal type caveman primitive thing in your brain which has never actually been stimulated before because you've like you've never done it it's a bit like going like this is what, what we're meant to do yep well if I set the scene for you it was a it was a the night that I got that feeling it was midnight just before midnight in January and we were in a waterfall in Glencoe that's fucking insane and it was minus two outside or something and we were in this waterfall so nothing about that screams comfortable no. or feel at peace or feel and for whatever reason I was just totally overcome with, with initially emotion and then driving away peace and so when I feel when I felt like that there was no debating it for me after that hmm. now some people will listen to that and they'll say you just had an experience and, you know, that's not going to do that for everybody. And I agree. It's probably not going to do that for everybody. It's not for everybody. But it did it for you. But it did it for me. And it did it for hundreds of thousands of other people around the world. So what you'll not get from me is, is trying to convince people that cold water therapy works. I'll talk about why I don't like calling it therapy in a second. But I'm not here to try and convince anybody because it works for me. And so I'll continue to use it. Mm. I'm not going to try and convince them that you come and try the business that I run either. Because come and try it or don't. It, it, it's there for you. If you want to try it, Aye. we'll guide you through it. See if it's not for you, it's not for you. And I think that's part of the problem that we've got is these people on social media. Your Gary Brecker's right. This I don't know if you've seen this guy. Biologist called Gary Brecker in the States. And he is on podcasts, clips in his own social media all the time, telling you that exact words cold water therapy strips fat off your body faster than anything else it's like but Gary not doesn't he (laughs) you're a biologist and you know it doesn't 
but you're saying that mm. because we know that nothing strips fat off our body. Nothing. Like, yeah. There's no exercises or nothing you can do to do that. What he really means is you burn calories when you're in the ice bath at a rate quicker than anything else. Fine. Say that. That's not the same as it will strip fat off your body. Yeah. And these people are, are, are making it more difficult to get people on board with it because, well, you know, I get up at 4am and I have an ice bath and then just like... See that? I get, I, I get up at 4am. Why not get up at 8am and have a better sleep and then go <laughs> for your ice bath? It's still really early. I know. Like, you don't get as fucking, like, everything is, is doubled just because you happen to get up. See that? The... I'm not having a go. Like if, if if that works, if people if you enjoy that and you like that, fine, cool. You get up at four, man. I cool. I respect that you're able to think me that because I can't. I couldn't. And I I would like to get sleep, but it's the way in which things are presented as. Well, if you're not doing this and you're not as, you're not as good as me, yeah. I'm far, I'm more highly motivated than you. Yeah. It's like well. Are you? What if somebody gets up at eight and they work to midnight? I know. And even that's nah, a fucking lot of shit in it. This whole toxic what you know, grind culture and that like fucking shut up, man. A lot of shit. So I I I, I split my twenty four day up into uh, twenty four lots of one hours. So I've got you know <laughs> I've got more opportunity than you. It's just a, it's a exactly. lot of shit. It's not exactly uh, <clears throat> doing the cold water stuff in the mornings. Absolutely brilliant for me. It does wake me up. I'm not getting up at four to do it. I never have got up at four to do it. I never will get up at four mm-hmm. to go and do it other than the wee challenge that I'm, that I'm going to be doing, we'll talk about in December. Nothing in that for me. I'll, I'll just sleep, like you said, right? In the morning's great. See the thing I've found, though? See, as long as I get it done, <laughs> it doesn't Aye, matter when doesn't I do it. Matter. Nighttime, it helps me sleep. In the morning, oh, it wakes me up. I get a re- I, I was out like a light on Monday night. Well, we'll talk, let's talk, I'll talk about my experience, what I thought, and then we'll get a wee bit of the sort of science chat, because I'm really interested in it. I was quite fascinated with a lot of the sort of stats and, and that type of thing. So Friday just passed. So we, what day is it? Right, today's Wednesday. So last Friday, I'd been out for my pal's birthday. I'd had a heavy night. Saturday I was busting then I had my pal's wedding on the Saturday night. Sunday I had to, I was working on the borders, um, doing uh, two shows, long drive, long day, felt terrible. I had to get a McDonald's in the way there because I was like, oh, I feel like crap. I had a pot noodle at night, and that isn't me, like, that really isn't me, but I just was like, I feel terrible. Monday, I had a pure long work day, didn't really eat, because I was so busy, again, that's just not like me, and then I came out, well, got to you about ten past eight, I was feeling a wee bit better, the sort of hangover and that had passed, so I did, what, about 25-30 minutes in the infrared sauna, and then straight into the water, for what was it, about seven minutes or something? Yep. Um, which, which by, by the way is pretty impressive for your first bash attack. There we go. Not that I'm showing off to anybody, but I'm obviously better than anybody else who's <laughs> never done it. Um, but I so and it was painful. It was sore when I first got in, and you kind of talked me through it. But then I was like, right, there's, there is a, a rush. I mean, I felt awake. That's for definite. Arms are crossed. I'm like, like, let's try to breathe and stuff. And then eventually, you kind of like, right, I can, I can deal with this. And then I came out, and it was an immediate. It was like a pure rush. Mm-hmm. I felt. I felt brilliant, I felt alert, I felt awake, I felt, I just felt really, really good, and then I just felt amazing, like, all night, yep. and as I was driving away as well, again, there's people be like, fucking shut up, no, you never, I swear, I started thinking, it was the sort of thought process of, that was really tough and uncomfortable and sore, but I was alright, I passed and I feel better, and now mm-hmm. having come out the other end of it, and I was like, wait a minute. I feel like this probably applies to life as well. And it was just a wee fleeting sort of momentary thought. 
But I just felt great. I just I felt amazing. I felt it was like a pure high. I think you're an ice bath away for getting on Instagram and telling people if oh, you're in your ice bath at 6 a.m. You're <laughs> mate, honestly, so close. I'm like, listen, if you're like, ice baths are the cure to all your ills. We'll talk <laughs> about uh, kind of a wee bit more about those people in specific because I mean, there's, you can apply it to any city, can't you? But there's loads in Glasgow and everybody's gone. I I can think of who that is. Whether it's somebody that's I think it's people that want to seem as if they have the answers. They want you to follow them. They maybe mm-hmm. want you to buy something from them. But it's a way of being like, that's so cute, I've written. Yeah. It's what what was what was the kind of chat you were telling me about if you're taking if you have sweets and the dopamine high and Yeah. So some science um behind this and what what I will say is I am not a scientist, right? So that that much is clear, but so everything that I say when I speak about the science is is, is from stuff that other people have researched and that they've published. So yeah. this stuff's all been published. And there's two specific people that if you're interested in this, you should go and listen to. So one of them's called Dr. Andrew Huberman. He's a guy out in the States and he's done a lot of research on, on cold water exposure and deliberate cold water exposure. And, there's, and then there's somebody called Dr. Susanna Soberg, who's a Scandinavian doctor, who the, it's contrast therapy for her. So it's it's the... The study of exposing yourself to heat followed by cold and then even going back into the heat and cold and doing rounds. And and so they're the two people. Um, Now, what they found is that everybody operates with a baseline level of dopamine in the brain. That that much is clear. Dopamine is the chemical in the brain that leaves you feeling fulfilled. So you operate with this baseline level of dopamine, not to be confused with making you feel happy. Sometimes people think dopamine makes you feel happy. It's not even necessarily happy. It's more fulfilled Mm. that it will make you feel... And so you've got this baseline level. Now, see when I start eating chocolate and I feel happy or I feel whatever that feeling is I get when I've got a right good bar of chocolate. What's your favourite chocolate? Ah, uh, mate, well, look at the box. Somebody, I get, uh, this is me grassing myself in. So I, I love all chocolate, man. It's difficult, but I get sent an advent calendar by my pal Lucy, a very nice wee, send me a wee selection box, an advent calendar, saying here's your th- a thing for Christmas. And to my absolute shame, it's done. I made I ripped the whole advent calendar open because I just was like, it's embarrassing, isn't it? It's not even. It's November, mate. <laughs> it's November. Twenty ninth of November. So uh, you're going to, need to send me another advent calendar. Um, but I had, I was like, fuck it, I'll have one. Yeah. That that sums that sums me up I, like a pure animal. I didn't even do it like bit by bit. I ripped the front of the box open, went bang, get that tin foil off. All that chocolate's getting tanned. So I I know. First hand, I know completely how that, that wee chocolate dopamine hit works. So what happened there was you had the first one, the dopamine in your brain spiked, and then it was just, I need more and I need that more. That was right? it. Gave me the full lot. I almost went to, I, I went to the gym instead, but I almost went to like Asda Tesco to go and get something in. <laughs> oh man. So that's that's a brilliant example. I'm so glad that we've, we've had that conversation, <laughs> right? Because um, okay, it's just, it's just uh, you're not even trying to hide it. I know. For, I mean, obviously, this is an audio podcast, but it's at the back door waiting to go to the recycling bin. Uh, on a plus side, I'm doing my bit for the environment here and making sure it gets recycled. But I'm not even trying to hide it. It's just sitting there absolutely ripped and in tatters. I can't believe I've just stuck myself in. Uh, I can't believe uh, At least hide it behind the curtain <laughs> so you can't see it. <laughs> I know. Disgraceful. But uh, that's me all over. Yep. And so you're going to end up being fully addicted to ice baths, right? Because know, because you came away for that feeling like the, right, the dopamine hit, all of that, right? <laughs> so the dopamine spiked, as it starts to come back down, we're looking for another dopamine hit. So yeah. your dopamine spikes when you've got the chocolate, if it starts to come back down, you want more. So, and chocolate maybe increases dopamine in your brain by 0.5 to 1 times above baseline. Mm. Um, then you've got tobacco, you've got alcohol... 
cocaine, for example, will spike your dopamine by about two times above baseline. So um, if you take cocaine two times above baseline, it will last for anywhere between 10 and 20 minutes, and then it'll start to, to plummet and come back down. Now, so that's what you're experiencing if you've ever used that drug, mm-hmm. is you need to take more because it's, you're coming back down. So you need to just keep taking more. And so you're on this sort of, this roller coaster of dopamine. The problem with alcohol and cocaine, even chocolate, whatever it is you get your quick dopamine fix from, social media is the other one, right? So mm-hmm. there's no studies showing that when you post a photo on Instagram, actually you don't even realise is you're craving dopamine. So what you're doing is you're posting it so you get a like. See, when you get a like, dopamine in the brain. Yeah. And we've all done it. You've posted the photo, nobody's liked it, you've brought it back down. You've got like six likes in the first 30 minutes, and now I'm getting rid of that. Well, you've probably never had that, to be fair, in your <laughs> 40s. I've had that in my 40s. Um, so, yeah, so it's chasing dopamine. Um, yeah, but the problem is, it's unnatural. And so what happens is, it crashes at the other side. So your dopamine crashes at the other side, and you've, you're then operating with less dopamine. It's fell below baseline. Aye. You're operating with less dopamine than you had when you started, and then, therefore, you feel worse. So if you think about a hangover... We were talking about this earlier as well. It's at some point in your life, the hangovers, which used to be physical things, became emotional. Just, just all of a sudden, your hangovers were just pure emotional, and it wasn't really a physical thing anymore. Why, why is that? Well, again, it's so. There's two things that are happening. So when when your body's get enzymes. Um, oh, I they break down alcohol. Break down alcohol. See when you've used them. Yeah, they, you've they, used them. They don't. Re, they, they can't be rep, like reproduced or anything. Yep. So you find it more difficult as you get older to break down alcohol. That's that's just science. But you're also operating with with less dopamine. So let's imagine you're you're out and you're you're drinking. If you're even taking drugs, but even if you're not, if you're just drinking or, or whatever, it's you wake up the next day. The dopamine, the baseline level of dopamine that you need to operate in your brain has gone has gone below baseline. So you just feel you feel that. Unfulfilled, sort of worthless feeling, just lethargic, all of those things, and so that's essentially what's happening. It's funny. I was talking about this the other day about the the way in which I used to go out because I I I love I love going out. I still do, but I need to pick my battles, and I need long I need longer in between. I was saying when I was eighteen, I would go to Common on a Thursday, get up the road about four in the morning, be in work for nine, work all day, feel rough, like wouldn't feel great. Go to like a local pub in Bishop Briggs on a Friday night, then back to a party on it to about two or three. Go to work on the Saturday, nine till six, and then back out on the Saturday night and having a great time. Yep. Like once the sort of nausea had passed by 12 o'clock and I'd had a subway, you'd be feeling absolutely magic. See, now I'm gen like one night out and that's me, like I'm, I'm, I'm fucked for days. Yep. I think. I think the other thing that happens though, and um, and this isn't scientific in any way, it's just my experience, which is, see that the older you get and the more responsibility you've got in life and the increased awareness of what it is you're doing, Aye. that that plays in your mind. So that's all right when you're younger and you've not got that much responsibility and you're just bouncing for, for, for work that doesn't really mean that much to you to get out. It's like, it doesn't really weigh that heavily on you. Mm. Wait till you're... Wait till you're in your mid twenties when you're supposed to have it all together, and you've got shit you need to be doing that week, but you know you're not going to be able to do it because you've it's like all oh, this aye. like the world's ending in your head. Aye, aye, aye. that's it. The world's ending your head. All I had to do was at that time I would have been eighteen, so I was working in JD in Argyle Street. So it was hardly it's probably I might have served people listening some of their trainers, but it was uh, it was hardly then it's not as if it was important. Like you could kind of do that with a hangover, but you're right. Aye. The world's ending because you're like. 
I have got X, Y, and Z to do, and none of it's getting done. Yep. I said uh, the the older I get, the I think there'll maybe come a point where I'll probably just won't. I just won't drink because I'm like, nah, it's, it really isn't worth it now. Is is the push worth the shove? Yep. Probably not. And the amazing thing is, just just on that on that topic is, see if you can do that. See if you can just make that decision. Do you know what? I'm not going to drink. Right. Fantastic. And there's so many people out there that can just do that, and that's fine if that's what they want to do. For a lot of people the power of choice and control has gone. So for me, the power of choice and control was gone. I genuinely c- couldn't choose whether I was going to drink or not. Genuinely mm. couldn't. So I know people listening to that will go, oh, shit, you've always got a choice. I suffer from an obsession of the brain. It tells me that I, need to, that I need to drink. So even there's times when I've sat my family down, right, and I've told them, oh, I'm not drinking ever again. I would have passed a lie detector test that day. Like, I meant it. Mm. It was for the core of my being I meant that I was never drinking again And then the weekend came And For whatever reason My brain tells me the lie That you know See the night It's going to be a wee bit different For you the night You're just going to have A couple of pints And go up the road Or whatever lie It, it, it told me and I, and I would just believe it And I would just go off and do it And despite everything I've said And everything I've felt I'd go Aye. off and do it So I've lost the ability to choose And then when I started Drinking it It just it was I lost control completely I couldn't predict When it was all going to end so you get some people who are who are on that spectrum, right? Um, and for them, it's going to be really difficult. And the only reason I'm saying that is, see if you feel that you've already lost the power of choice or control and you need some help, reach out. Reach out to me. Reach out to somebody else. Reach out to uh, a doctor or one of the fellowships, if that's what you need. Mm. See if you don't and, and you're quite happy living life the way you're living it. Fanta- brilliant, because... <laughs> See if I could, that's how I would do it. See right. if I could go out for beers and just enjoy it, that's what I would do. And see if you're somewhere in the middle and you're not sure, that's all right as well. Aye, wise words. I, de- I think, yeah, it's a good way to put it as well. People always put it really binary. You need to, nah, that's it, you need to kind of just chuck it. It's like, well, no, we're all different. Yeah. I mean, for anybody that wants, I, I really would recommend, like, well, this is what I really respected, admired, what you said Monday, because I was about to say, I'd recommend people go up to Soul Suites, but you said you don't need to come here. You can go anywhere. Like yeah. I'm just telling you that this is a thing. I think people that'll resonate with people. It'll strike a chord because they're like, "Oh, this guy's not trying to pure sell me magic beans or his business only." It's like, "Well, go and do it anywhere." But if you want to do it for the comfort, and I can vouch for it, smells nice. I like that wee uh, scent thing that you yeah. got, um, and it was great. And the sauna was magic. The infrared sauna I really like. For him that doesn't know, heats you up from the inside out. So it's not just a hot room. So you you feel great, you're sweating, but it's removing such a it sounds like a pure cliche term in it. Removing toxins. Yeah. That's what it's yep. essentially what it's doing. Yeah. Anti the cold water. It's fucking brutal. But there's something really good about it. And then back into sauna for a wee heat. Felt great. Working work the I mean, podcast cliche claxon. But the uh, the link to the Instagram and stuff for Soul Sweets is in the episode notes, but whereabouts in East Kilbride can they find it? Uh, so East Kilbride, just um, College Milton, which is, uh, if you're coming up through sort of um, the south side, through Clarkson, that way up East Kilbride, you're just, you're just there. Um, obviously, you'll find us on Instagram. The other thing, because you, you made the point, and I think it's important to elaborate on it, is other places that you can go and try it. It's more important to me that you find a place that you're comfortable going and trying the cold water. Mm-hmm. Than it is forcing you to come up to Soul Suites. There's other places. There's the there's the Polar Bear Club um, in Glasgow that do really extreme versions of cold stuff. They're trained on 
um, on hypothermia, and and they they do some some real challenging stuff. Um, there's the the Soulful Sundays Club, which do a lot of stuff outside outdoors. They combine it with yoga ah, and do that. outdoors. Soulful Sundays. So find the place that works for you. It doesn't need to be Soul Suites. Come and see us if you want. It'd be lovely to see you, and, and we'll we'll t- we'll guide you through it all. But find the place that's suitable for you and go and give it a bash. I recommend as well for anybody who's interested in this type of thing, hot yoga. Yeah, I absolutely love it. It brings me like a pure physical st- and mental stillness that I struggle to get anywhere else. It's great. But I'll, I'll be back to Soul Suites. I absolutely loved it. Um, so use the code Blethered for 95% off. <laughs> <laughs> Kid, no, absolutely no discounts. Fuck off. <laughs> um, what 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 matters most to you now? I mean, I don't want a um, I don't want one of these people that because I'm already there's already stereotypical with people that do ice baths that they're pure profound and that they're pure <laughs> spiritual and that they right because because it's just no it's not a case. What matters more to me is I just had a wee girl and um, a, a year ago, so she's just turned one wee Erin, and um, it really matters to me that that I am setting an example, that I'm a, that I'm a fundamentally a, a good father and friend to her through how I treat other people. So she's going to witness that. So I've spent so much of my life being so selfish and self-centred and mm-hmm. everything's been about me through the way that I live my life, as I've explained. Um, it's really important to me that that she sees that the way I treat other people and that I can genuinely have a genuine you know, willingness, desire to help other people through whatever it is they're going through just treating people in day-to-day life. I think one of the things that I was given a bit of advice that just blew my mind when I, when I, when I tried it, which was do something really nice for somebody else, but then don't tell somebody that you've done it. And it was like, wow, see when you've done that, when you do something really nice for somebody and you don't need to go and tell the world on yeah. social media, you don't need to video yourself getting the homeless guy a fiver. Right. Just stop that, by the way. Please stop I that. Know. Fuck all that stuff, feeling the need to then tell people about it. Do something nice for somebody and don't tell them. See that? Like helping other people is, is really been a massive part of my journey for the last three years. When I'm when I'm thinking about others and helping other people, I'm less thinking about myself. And when I'm thinking about myself, life gets really really complicated. Right. Um, so that, for me, that's what matters to me. My daughter seeing that my um, dad treats people right. That's a great example. Uh, it reminds me of the the phrase as well: "A life lived for others is a life worth living." Yeah. There's something very, very nice about it. Um, I think you're a, a terrific example of rec- you know, recognition and within yourself if something's not right and taking action, not beating yourself up and uh, trying to be a, a, a decent person, which you obviously very much are. This is a tough question and it, it's kind of putting you on the spot, but if you were to see yourself or to sit down with yourself of 10 years ago having coffee or whichever other non-alcoholic drink you might like to enjoy what if you were to give any words of advice or encouragement you know what would they be uh, buy crypto and buy hunters here <laughs> buy hunters of crypto and then just chill <laughs> buy a few bitcoin I always say I've put, I've put five grand and less than you win the league just trust me that's yeah. what I would say uh, don't get vaccinated. No, let's not go there. Um, um, it would need to be actionable, right? It would need to be actionable because, like we've said, see if I was to sit down ten years ago with myself and tell myself it's all going to be all right in the end. Mm. Pff, come on, what do I do with that? 
Aye, so exactly. it needs to be. Keep getting on it. I keep getting on it until eventually you stop. <laughs> no, what, what do you do with that? Um, so I think it would be find it within yourself to be honest. Reach as far down, deep as far as you can go, and just tell somebody. Tell somebody. Speak to somebody, and tell them exactly how it is that you're feeling. Um, because as as cliche again as it sounds, you're not in this alone, there's always somebody that's walked the path before you and you just need to find out who that is and so f- find f- you know, find it, find it within yourself to be honest and look it's like we all in the course of our lives end up going through shit that, that life deals us and we just need to sometimes suck it up and go on with it, needs mm-hmm. a bit of resilience needs you to take a bit of personal responsibility that stuff's fine but share the load, do you know what I mean there's people who care about you Um there is people that genuinely care about you, and, and if if sometimes they're not equipped, I think is the other challenge. They're not equipped to, they're not equipped to help you because they don't understand themselves. But but maybe they'll point you in the direction of somebody that can. So mm. so I open up and get honest and 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 get a bit vulnerable and um, I take some action. Terrific advice. Well, you're um, striving to be be a better person. I think evidently, for what I can see and for what everybody else can hear. That you're, you're making a, a solid job of it, so wish Thanks, you man. all the continuous, all the best with it. Um, for you listening, if any of that has really struck a chord with you, then wishing you all the best as well, and absolutely sure you will get there. It will get better, whatever it is. And if you just happen to enjoy the podcast and I'm glad you listened as well so thanks very much and as always we'll be back with another episode of Blethered soon cheers alright stop collaborate and listen I sit back with my brand new inventions